This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Filmmakers, it's time to use Soldo. Soldo is a payment solution that replaces petty cash given to employees and production assistants. When in prep, on set, or in post-production. Soldo is a multi-user expense account that helps you control business spending. You can give Soldo cards to some or every employee, to entire teams or even contractors instantly. Transfer funds to all card holders. And you can use Soldo for free for three months with the code FilmmakersPod. Soldo.com. Listen for more info in today's episode of the Filmmakers Podcast. It's the Pod Fiction Network. Hello and welcome to episode 268 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson, I'm a writer, director and a producer, and one of the films I helped produce was a film called Followers, and on today's show we have the producers of followers. It is Tracy Jarvis and Steve Jarvis. Hello. 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 <laughs> this is amazing. Uh, Steve and Tracy have also produced the movies. Anna and the Apocalypse, uh, directed by John McPhail, who has been on the podcast. You can listen to that. The Kindred, directed by Jamie Patterson, who has also been on the podcast. You can listen to that. A Midsummer Night's Dream, directed by Sasha Bennett, who has also been on the podcast. <laughs> and you can listen to his episode. They also um, produced the film A Christmas Gift from Bob, which was the sequel to A Street Cat Named Bob, which was directed by Charles Martin Smith, who hasn't yet been on the podcast, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure he will There's be still time. There is still time. They run Parkhouse Pictures. They're both fantastic people. I'm honoured to call them my dear friends. And we are here to talk about their filmmaking journey and the film Followers, which is out in cinemas now. Followers is the story of John T, who's a social media influencer, who takes his housemates along with him as they start to get rich and famous because they discover a ghost. But at what cost? It will be out on digital and many platforms in July as well, and we'll give you a shout for when that is so you can get it. But for now, it's out in many cinemas across the country, which is, to be honest, quite incredible and must feel incredible, right? Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, we um, we, we didn't really expect to get a cinematic release, but uh, yeah, fantastic. Screenbound have uh, done a great job, and uh, Blue Dolphin, uh, the guys who've been helping us distribute it, they've been really good. And it's great for Marcus. As we know, Marcus obviously sadly passed away so he's uh, he wasn't here to see this day but he was um he was here to see the film finally finished uh, he saw the final trailer and the final poster um and he will be up there now absolutely buzzing for sure absolutely that's marcus harbin the director of followers and we'll come back to followers in a little bit because that's obviously why we're here but it's always good and our listeners love to hear how people got their start how they became filmmakers, why they did it. And I suppose, interestingly for us, is you started at a later age than 
a lot of people who listen to this podcast are a lot of people who start. You're trying to say we're old, John. <laughs> I'm trying to say you're a similar age to me. <laughs> I think maybe a Not little right. older, yeah. <laughs> All right, I was being nice. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, because I started acting. I started, you know, when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20 drama school then and then carried on my journey and then became, tried to do filmmaking on that side of it, started when I was 30, in my 30s. So I suppose it's an interesting question, isn't it? Let's start with you, Tracy, because I know you run the agency Beresford Management. Yeah. Was that your way in? Is that why you wanted to uh, become a filmmaker? When I was a teenager, I actually really wanted to be an actress. Ah. Um, but my, Yeah, I did. But my mum was very much like, it's a one in a million, go and work for a bank or a, be a lawyer. Or, you know, it was very much that. And I, and I ended up working for a bank. I mean, she did well. Say. I mean, out of the, 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 the two options. Exactly. <laughs> but I, never, I kind of never followed my dream. But then, then I had children and mm -hmm. um, took a career break and Harry my son who you know mm -hmm. um he actually got picked up it, it was a it was a school performance that he was playing I think King Henry in and a local agent asked if he could rep him and right. then he you know his first job was Thorn Scaredy Cat so I kind of got into it through him so his local agency closed and I was you know, because I'd be taking him to places and people were like, you really should be in the business, you know, you should do something. And so I set up the agency, you know, and I was amazed actually how well it went from the off go, you know, from the offset really. Um, and then, so I was doing the agency for about eight years. It was about five years, five, six years ago, we started the production company and I, we were, you know, I was often getting sent scripts through and just, asked if we were interested in producing and so yeah I kind of got got into it through them and I, and there was one film that had cast one of our actors and Harry in and some of their money dropped out so we were kind of like okay shall we shall we have a go at this um yeah so I kind of got got a, got into it through my kids really but mainly through the agency I'd say that's amazing because it's fascinating the, the fact that you went I'm just going to run uh, you know, an acting agency of going from bank, you know, you're working in a bank to go, yeah. do you know what? I'm going to quit that and I'm going to run an acting agency. And Harry, Harry yeah. Jarvis, who was in Followers, uh, by the way, as is your daughter, Ella, who are both amazing people and wonderful. Mm. And Harry is also one of the stars of The Dare as well, which I've never mentioned on this podcast ever, uh, <laughs> which is still, still available <laughs> now on Sky an and Amazon. An excellent film. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, so that must have been like a, a quite an interesting jump for you because it's really difficult yeah. to take the jump from doing a as we say a normal paying job to running an agency that you don't yeah. know I mean Steve you must have been pretty supportive at that point as well to sort of go yeah no problem go for it oh yeah absolutely and, and also uh you know I've known Tracy long enough today when she sets her mind on something she will make it a success she's right. um very very driven and a very good people person mm. so yeah she definitely is I wasn't surprised I wasn't surprised at all at how quickly the agency got going and how she built a reputation very quickly mm. and uh yeah it's uh, it's a really successful agency now it's doing really well yeah. yeah and you know we've got I've obviously got staff working for me who are doing brilliantly yeah no I was I you know I was surprised how 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 well it went because like you said I mean I love film and TV and theatre and it's like my biggest passion um, but I didn't have that experience but I've always a bit like Steve just said I've always thought actually you can do anything you know in this life you've mm. just got to 
you just got to learn how to do it. And so I, I looked into how you set an agency up and I just learned from people around me. I love the fact that you're just going, yeah, you can go do it. And that's kind of a yeah. mantra on the podcast. You can go do it. How did you even find yeah. clients? Were you kind of using Harry's friends at first or were you, no, were you going to showcases? How did you find, uh, you know, actors? And actually, um, Harry and Ella had their own agents. So it, it, it and I of didn't course. represent, yeah, yeah. So I didn't represent children. It was just about taking adults on. And I remember taking on my first two or three clients. And then there was, um, it may still be going now, but there was an actor's Facebook page. I'm not on Facebook, so I, I probably said that completely wrong. But you know, there was this, I'm this sure whole there kind is. of yeah. There was this 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 kind of um you had to be invited as an actor to be part of this something to do with Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I was listed on there. Somebody had put the amazing new agency opened, and I was just it was either word of mouth or I was just getting emails from this whoever had advertised me online. Yeah. So it it, it was quite it was just amazing really when I look back and it grew like I say it just grew and grew yeah, into what it is now and the clients you've got incredible you know some, yeah. re some really great people on there now really good Beresford's management's doing well link will be in the show notes by the way if you want to look them up and look up there look Tracy's clients uh fantastic actors and definitely worth employing yeah. a lot of them and doing some amazing you know amazing amazing things that one of my clients is flying off tomorrow to, to the premiere of Moon Knight. I can't oh. say who because we're not allowed to announce him yet, but he's amazing. How amazing um, is that? Yeah, yes. over to LA. So no, this this it, it is doing in, incredibly well. And, you know, we get inundated now. We get so many people writing to the agency asking for representation, but we pride ourselves in being a boutique agency. So we don't ever, I mean, there's four, what, five of us in the agency, but we don't ever want the client list to go above a hundred between us all. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. yeah, no, it's, um, and it's kind of, it's been quite good for me because I've got such an amazing team now that I can leave it to go and shoot a film and not, not worry about it at all. I've mm -hmm. got an incredible agent, Jamie, that kind of heads heads it up while I'm away. Which is perfect, which is exactly what you need, because otherwise if you're trying to do it all in, on your own, you're there trying to produce a movie, which is ridiculously hard to do. You know, it's like doing, yeah. an, I say, it's like doing an event every day, you know, a wedding every day or a birthday party every day for three, four weeks. So therefore you it's really difficult to concentrate on anything else. So it's amazing yeah. you've got that team behind you who can do that. I mean, I, I am a little bit of a control freak because at the end of the day, I'll still go through all the emails. <laughs> I'll still make sure, you know, but of looking course, at the submissions. It's your baby. That's why we're in this business. I think we're all kind of control freaks in a good way, but also in a an important way. You get stuff done, you know, otherwise yeah. you just drift. And there's nothing worse when you're working with someone on your team as a filmmaker who is a drifter and they sort of go, oh yeah, oh, I'll do that and then don't do it. It's infuriating. Yeah. So it's great if someone's, you know, in control, we call them control free, but I say in control, who understands yeah. their business and what they're doing. And if stuff needs to be done, they get it done. And that's what you're brilliant at. Steve, then I suppose the same for you. It feels like you were sort of propelled into this as a kind of like, look, the film that the yeah. <laughs> Tracy's loving here. <laughs> The, the film yeah. that you were doing that needed some money at the time to progress, you were there going, all right, Tracy sort of said earlier, alluded to it, shall we do it? Well, talk us through your mindset at this time. Obviously, you've seen Tracy now run an agency starting to become very successful at that time when you first started to make movies. What was your process? Because you weren't in movies at all. Yeah, um, it's, um, I, mean, I suppose I was always in and around 
Harry and Ella, who obviously were acting, and Tracy mm-hmm. with the agency. Uh, and, they, and actually, the, the production company originally, I wasn't part of that. Tracy did set up the production company, and then I came on a little bit later. And we, they weren't, we weren't making anything. We were just starting to get ideas and develop ideas. Mm-hmm. So when this film came up, um, as Tracy mentioned, where she had one of her actors in uh, and Harry, and then it fell through, and Tracy said, oh, do you, think we should, do you think we should get involved in this? And I sort of thought, well, <laughs> I'm running a telecoms company. <laughs> uh, it's not really kind of where I'm at. Um, but actually, I, I was selling the business. So as it as it coincided, I was selling the business as this film started. And I actually, I was nothing to do with the company. I was an exec producer. I was actually sitting at home. As all good exec producers do. As all good exec producers do. Uh, watching Netflix. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> going why aren't we making that yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> and tracy was tracy was out shooting and she called me and said steve you know this is a nightmare and you know without going into too much detail about this project everything everything was a nightmare you know all the promises that were made never came to fruition mm-hmm. and um it was a tough time but you know we again we're we both want to succeed we want to do the right pe- thing by people you know we we really wanted to make this movie uh which is now midsummer night's dream and it looks great uh, mm. and it will get released at some point um and we were very proud of it but it's um it was certainly a film school yeah. um and and, I, and what i'd say is that you know you're right we started this very late but I would say that film for over a three year period has been the most intense film school that probably anybody could ever go to. And we've met some amazing people who have been really helpful along the way. Uh, and people we're still really good friends with now and, and working, know, with. working with now. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, often good things come from bad, provided you keep that positive attitude and, and can do attitude and, you know, I want to make it work. So um, I love that. I don't think we could have learned what we learned by going to film school for three years. Well, I was an exec. Tracy was supposed to get her first producer credit and learn from the experts mm-hmm. and cutting very long story short. Uh, without going into too much detail, um, we ended up having to take the whole thing over and both became producers and went through the whole process. Uh, and Sasha was absolutely amazing through that process. Yeah, it's incredible. Has become a, a fantastically good friend, uh, as has his wife, Marina. So we, we, we feel blessed for that. Yeah. I love, I love that. And I want to know, again, you don't have to go into too much detail, as you said, but what that process of suddenly going, right, we're producing a movie. Talk us through how that felt because it is so alien to so many people or that feeling of what you went through be really interesting because it can be stressful and it can be really hard on the soul and why am I doing this and are we even getting a product and why am I wasting my time Mm. what what was going through your mind at the time it was probably the most stressful thing we've ever been through I I would say and Unfortunately, we were dealing with people who were not like-minded. I think one of the things that we do bring to the films is we're both business people and I'm a finance person and, you know, it is a business. We are creating content, but it is ultimately a business. We did have conversations on whether we just walk away from it. Our lawyers were telling us to walk away from it. But I think because, A, it was one of the first two films that we did, it was our reputation on the line with agents and cast and everybody else so we felt that we had to we wanted to we wanted to you know people had put um, a lot of effort into into filming and and creating this and we wanted to make sure that they were compensated properly and um you know that that the film actually came out and wasn't Mm. just left in a 
you know, a box somewhere. Um, but it was so painful. I mean, mm-hmm. like, like I said, it would have been so easy just to say, do you know what? We're walking away. But like Steve said, I think we went through that dreadful time, but out of it, you know, has grown roses. Mm. <laughs> That's the saying. But, you know, like I said, we have, we've become friends and are working with one of the investors. Mm, brilliant. You know, like Steve was saying, Sasha, you know, we're, we're definitely, we'll definitely work with Sasha again. And, you know, we have him and Marina around for dinner often. And there's just so many people from, you know, some the crew, the, the cast, yeah. we've, yeah. we've actually, you've, you've got to look at it positively. Otherwise you wouldn't make another film. And I think for us, it was right. Great. We're not going to do that again. We're not going to do that. You know? And I think as well, coming from a banking background, everything is so heavily regulated that for me it didn't, I, I kind of think, was I too trusting, you know, Yes. but yes. it's just not, there's just no regulation in, and, in. And I think for me, I come from a telecoms background, and the same. The regulation in telecoms is is pretty mm-hmm. pretty strict. You know, the customers you go and see, you sell them what they're expecting. You don't mm-hmm. sell them something. You know, it's a very honest mm-hmm. business. And so, and you know, don't get me wrong. This this industry is is an incredible industry to be in, and there's so many great people, mm-hmm. but there are some people in it who who are. Uh, are not so great and mm-hmm. not so trustworthy mm-hmm. and we learned a very big lesson very yeah. early on and, and i think that's never going to leave me or tracy mm-hmm. and we'll always take that with us on every project we do it's a common story you know doing this podcast for so long it is a common story people's first films or in that era or trying to get a film off the ground you know a lot of the time they don't even get to make the film like say mm. the film you were talking about there could have fallen apart you could have gone do you know what nah let's walk away from this totally and it's another yeah. one of those films that never got finished and never got out there yeah. and it is it is really tough when you're starting out to know who is trustworthy yeah. or not and you do you go into it with your eyes open and you go yes mm. they're saying we can do these things yes we're saying we can mm. but it is it, really hard so let's talk about Anna and the Apocalypse a little bit then because it was such a I love this film and I remember going to Fright <laughs> Fest with you guys to see it in yeah. the cinema yes. for the first time for me and loving it laughing out loud joyous with this film wishing I directed it it was it it was a great great film obviously if you don't know Anna and the Apocalypse everyone it is a brilliant uh, zombie horror musical the the music is amazing Um, but anyway how how did you guys get involved because it was a hit you know it did do really well around the world uh, and people still talk about it now so tell us about the journey there because it was early on in in your careers as being producers marcus actually who sadly passed away as the director on followers there's a guy called nason one of the producers from blazing griffin and marcus recommends that he meet with me Mm -hmm. so we met i remember on the south bank and he pitched this script to me and he kind of had me at it's going to be a zombie musical set at Christmas. It's like, yeah, yes, I'm in. I'm in. I'm I'm in. in. Yeah. And it was so funny because he said he had so many people like, this is not going to work, a zombie musical set at Christmas. No, no, no. Whereas I was like, yes, yeah, you me, know, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's do this. Sure. We worked on the script together. I mean, mm-hmm. originally, I think the, the original script had, in the Christmas tree scenes, it had dwarves that were, were they, so we changed that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, there were, there were lots of things that needed 
updating and changing, which we did. And then we brought on the lovely Sophie Holland. Mm-hmm. Um, Casting director, who's obviously now ridiculously flying, The Witcher, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so proud. I mean, she's she's doing all the huge, I mean, The Witcher, mm-hmm. Cherry, I mean, massive, massive projects. So we were, I think, one of her first projects when she set up on her own. It was just so much fun. So she, we, we travelled to Scotland together to do the castings there. I mean, it probably wouldn't be funny for me to tell the story, but we were just in stitches. We had so <laughs> much fun, so much fun. And we kind of, we shortlisted our favourites. And then I remember because John McPhail, who directed, we were interviewing him on the same day that we were casting. So I had to come out of casting to do that. And then we ended up holding the finals at our house. So we oh, were wow. doing all of yeah, so because we've got the basement, mm-hmm. um, they were doing the acting in the basement, and then we'd bring them up to the room with the piano so that we were doing the singing. Oh, up there. How amazing! And but it was pretty much down to like the last two. So Sophie uh, uh, pretty much narrowed it down for when because then of course John came on quite late. So yeah, and I was a huge fan of Ella's. I was really pushing for her because I mean that voice is just incredible it really is Ella Hunt I mean there's some lovely lovely people uh, I mean Mark Benton just gorgeous yeah. to work with Ben Wiggins you know I mean the, 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 the cast were just yeah absolutely gorgeous to work with but no it was just it's a batshit crazy film but I just I love the songs I mean Roddy and Tommy, Tommy who that you know they're all original songs mm-hmm. for me they made that film those you know the, the songs were just incredible yeah how was it on set then for you because this is now you know this is a decent sized budget shall we say it's still not big yeah. but you know at the time it was like wow okay we've got to manage this and organize this and prep yeah. and plan how did you go about doing all that how did you even go okay we need to we need to did you have gr- other people around you who were also doing this so you, you know because like I say it's early days for you so it's how did you learn this stuff yeah definitely well we had because obviously we were doing it with Blazing Griffin so Nathan and Nick were the other two producers on it and of course it was all being shot in Scotland Mm -hmm. um yeah it was just a really good team it was about obviously getting those locations so we had the the disused school I think which was a it was about to be knocked down so it was fantastic for us because we could go in and and use it and then there was the big shopping center although we cut that scene didn't we um and and also because we filmed it in january it was a christmas movie financially it was better because we were getting christmas trees sold at a pound each you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it was all that kind of yeah kind of thing decorations you could use yeah exactly everyone had them it wasn't the summer where it's like where do we get them and they're expensive yes exactly how did the money come together for it then we were quite i mean we personally invested it as well so um we were we were very invested in the film pretty much all of it was private equity apart from um, an amount that creative scotland put in tax credit yeah piecemeal together how did you find that because i've obviously just done that on three day millionaire and piecemealed it together with some amazing investors and put all that Mm. together with the paperwork and speaking to lawyers yeah and it's a totally different mindset from the creative side this is 
again, the business side we were talking about is making sure your numbers are in place, making sure that's done correctly and the lawyers are all uh, approved of this and your investors know exactly what they're getting into. How was that for you guys to jump straight into that? We did do it as an EIS so that the investors would have that tax advantage and it's still not being passed. So, I mean... Wow. Yeah, I mean, this. So we've got our own EIS company, but this was purely Anna and the Apocalypse. So it's a completely different EIS and SEIS. So they're still trying to um, get that passed at the minute. For those that don't know, EIS is Enterprise Initiative Scheme, and the SEIS is the S, the Seed Enterprise Investment Scheme, right? Did I get that right then? Yeah. Yeah, which is basically your opportunity when you're speaking to investors to offer a percentage back that the government will give them because they're investing in something British. That's pretty much the lay of the land, isn't it? And SEIS is below 150 and EIS is everything above. And anything above is 30%. I think they can claim back. Again, that might have changed. Correct me if I'm wrong. And anything below 150, they can get 50% back. Yeah. That might have changed. Again, don't quote me on that. Uh, Things change all the time. It's still that, right? That's spot on. And I think because of my finance background, for me, I, I think investors are the golden the golden egg do you know what I mean the golden chicken rather than without money you can't make your film yeah they're a golden chicken let's go with that chicken yeah. golden Squawk. chicken that's right <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm terrible when I think it comes egg, to all these little chicken's funny chicken and egg you know because <laughs> yeah, yeah. the golden chicken will then still keep laying the eggs no, you didn't say golden frog so you went too far no, no. Um, <laughs> but no no I, do, I, I have the utmost respect for investors because you know they are giving their hard earned money for you to make your film yes. so for me uh, particularly with the finance background, I think the EIS is a really good way in mitigating their risks because if they can claim 30% back of what they've invested straight away, Mm -hmm. um, then why wouldn't you do that? Yes, yes, absolutely. Especially tax breaks, their tax issues at the end of the year, that really goes towards it. So if they're thinking, well, I fancy a punt on this and they have lots of money, high net worth investors, HNIs, then that is worth doing for them it's like okay i'll, I'll put in a bit yeah. because i i'm okay to lose this money type thing yeah. so to get 30 percent back straight away is a bonus well also if they have a um, capital gains liability as well they can put that money into an eis and then they can get i think it's don't quote me on the figures but it's like another 18 percent back so you can actually get quite considerably mm-hmm. more money back 48 percent or more yeah. yeah depending on which and one and then if the if the film doesn't make its money back, which of course we all hope it does, but if it doesn't, then they can offset their losses. So if they're a 40% taxpayer, they can then offset their 40% on top. So you can really mitigate their Mm -hmm. risks by investing through EIS and SEIS. And it's brilliant to know that as well when you're speaking to investors and and obviously to speak to a lawyer first and make sure you've got your numbers right. And you Mm -hmm. can sit in front of them and have this bit of paper to explain what Tracy's just said there, because now your investors are going, okay, they know what they're talking about for one. But also if this film doesn't make money, I think it's after three years. Again, don't quote me on that. Check this just for yourselves. After three years, then they can claim that the film didn't make any money and therefore they can claim quite a lot of that money back, which is pretty, pretty incredible offer to go to your investors with to say, here's what we're trying to make for you uh, and here's what you could make. And then here's if, if God forbid something happens, something really goes wrong. This is what happens at the end of it. And you can claim that back. Yeah. 
is that to be it, it, it's the government have made it a lot harder now mm -hmm. to get SEIS and EIS for companies yes. for companies yeah. it's uh, in in our sector it is yeah. incredibly difficult and mm. you're constantly battling with them to try and get these things through so mm -hmm. it's yeah it's not it's not how it used to be pre-2018 yes. I believe it was a lot yeah. more straightforward it was a lot more straightforward and it also they changed the rules now where you have to have at least three films on your slate to say yeah. we are making three films so you yeah. can't yeah. like you used to do as Steve says before 2018 you could just do one film so you could set up an SPV for yeah. each individual film and then yeah. just offset your losses or offset your winnings on that but actually you yeah. can't do that now so everything has to be yeah. in shares often in a company so you have to really mm. know what you're talking about when setting up a production company now making films it's like with Anna and the Apocalypse because it's just the one film but they've also got their soundtrack and they've sold the rights to a TV and mm -hmm. um, they you know we were in discussions with it being for it being a Western musical so although it's mm -hmm. just the one film there are lots of different avenues so that's why we're still trying to get the SEIS on that one. But you're right. I think as long, you know, speak to HMRC or your accountant. But I think if you offset literally everything against it, you, I think it's something like 80, 80 to 90 percent that side, you yeah. can get back if, mm -hmm. you know. So I just think it for me, it's always about trying to be really careful with investors money and making sure we do everything we can to to get them that back and make a, a nice profit, hopefully. Hopefully. And what's interesting here is you said you invested yourselves. And, you know, when yeah. you do that, the investors see that you've done that and go, oh, well, if they're in, they're going to really yeah. care about getting their money back, which in turn gets our money back because we all get it back yeah. per sue, which technically means at the same time, depending on how much you're putting in, obviously, uh, in order. So, yeah, which, again, you know, investors and filmmakers love that because you've got skin in yeah. the game. And we've done it on three films. Yeah, we've invested in three of our films. Um, and the only reason we didn't invest in the other two were because they were lower budget and we got the finance already. It's pretty incredible to do that. How how do you feel about investing in films like you know it's like <laughs> just for those out there who might want to invest in one of mine um <laughs> i think the thing is about film is that most of the people that have invested i'd say all the people invested in our projects have done it one because they want to invest mm -hmm. but also because they love film they they, they love they want the journey they, they want to be mm. they want to be on that journey with us so they want to they want to come on set um, and maybe they could be an extra or they could have their yes. son or their daughter as a, you know, as an SA, we have to say now. Oh, yes, um, so that could happen that they, they they come to the film's premiere. So whether that be you know, the kindred and followers at Fright Fest for the premiere, the mm -hmm. investors come along. So I think for us, it's all about, you know, it's you're not you're not selling a dream. You're not saying that this film is going to make a fortune and we're all going to become millionaires. You know, I mean, it happened with Avatar. It doesn't happen with everything on Paranormal Activity, but... I think the, the getting being realistic, being completely realistic about the film you're trying to make, being very clear what the budget is, bringing people on board who you you know you really want to be, not only have them investing because you want them to bring the money on board, but you actually really like them as investors. You want mm. to be part of the team, and and I you know for all of our films, I do very regular updates. I send emails out, text messages. You know, we, we go out for, for dinner with some of our investors. Nice. You know, just um, just to let them know what's going on, and I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. I think it's really, important. and I think we all you know we do our standards to make sure we sell the film well and and, and hopefully because as you know it's not it's not as clear as oh we've sold it for this and this is what you get it's often drip feeding for 
mm-hmm. you know, so many years as more territories are being sold or, or more people are watching it on DVD. So, of course, we want to make money for our investors. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think also touching on the low budget films, you know, it makes it incredibly hard work for us. But we're really, I think one thing, well, yourself will be the same, but, you know, one thing we're really good at is it would have been so easy for me when we had the big party scene with all the essays to order food in. Yes. Instead, mm. I'm across the road mm-hmm. making, making pizzas yeah. and, you know, you know bring, yeah. yeah, you know, Steve's a driver, then I'm, you know, we, you take on all those roles to save every penny. Mm. Um, you know, I'm, we're almost kind of looking after the investor's money like it's my grandma's, you know, mm. every, but Something because of that, you yeah. know, if you go to like Anna and the Apocalypse or a Gift from Bob, it's a very pleasurable experience and you you can sit back and watch. And whereas on the low budget films, you're on the, you know, you're mm-hmm. opening up at six in the morning. Well, as you know, you were with us, Giles. <laughs> I <laughs> was. Followers, you know, followers, followers. Was, yeah. Open up at six in the morning. I love that. Open up and then you don't really close the shutter, but it still opens every morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Well, look, um, Christmas Gift from Bob and, and The Kindred both came out last year. Both of, you know, people have heard of. The Kindred was fantastic. Did very well at Fright Fest. It's a wonderful film from Jamie. It really is brilliant. April Pearson's amazing in the film and they're lovely people as well, you know. So- so uh, Samantha yeah. Bond was in that as well. Um, James Cosmo, Patrick Bergen, Steve Oram, you know, great cast. Blake Harrison, what a guy, really lovely guy. Yeah. Uh, the premiere at Fright Fest, really nice to chat to him. So the difference, obviously, Christmas gift from Bob and the Kindred, and then we'll come on to followers. But the difference between the two of those were that, like, say, bigger budget, Christmas gift from Bob, mm-hmm. nice big budget. Yeah, $5 million. $5 million yeah. in the Kindreds, yeah. you know, not even... 150 ex- <laughs> Exactly. So how do you jump between the two like you say what's the difference for you what did you learn from let's say the five million one that you didn't on the kindred mm. the, the 150 and the other way around if i'd say on on the christmas gift from bob the big difference for me was once you get your line producer in your main guy there and you've <laughs> obviously you sort your director and everything out once you get your main guy and your line producer they because you've got the money to pay more money to your line producer obviously they're very experienced they've been in the business a long time and so they know so many good people and so they already have in their mind all the heads of department who who are all very experienced Mm -hmm. and so it's almost like this domino effect then they bring on their own team they 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 all bring on once you've got them and they bring on their team and before you know it it's pushing so i would say the big difference for me is is doing a low budget feature film you are so hands-on on everything i i i i was touching every single part of every single thing within the kindred and followers and i knew every single penny where it was going mm. whereas when it's a lot bigger budget you're suddenly passing that to people who are a lot more experienced than you are mm-hmm. and they are getting their teams in place and so it's the hard thing is raising the money and getting the thing off the ground yeah but once you're there I would say the experience of that, which is why I would much rather be in the bigger budget films if possible. I was going to ask you. Don't yeah. get me wrong. What don't get me prefer? wrong. I've enjoyed doing the smaller budget ones, but actually being, having a bigger budget film where you've got all these experienced people running the show, mm. you do have less stress. I'm not saying there aren't problems. You know, you might have yeah, a... We, you have issue, we had issues filming in, in uh, Covent Garden because you've got two sides to Covent Garden. Um, the Westminster side and and the other side. That's and right. We had a problem there with trying to get the kit in and get permission. That was all a bit hairy from, yeah. for a while. Yeah, I, the different I, I permissions. Think, but I, I think, like Steve's saying, when we were on Bob, 
we can sit back and run the show. You know, we can run it, but we've got, like you say, the line producer is bringing in a lot of crew, whereas on the Kindred, we're passing every member of crew. You've probably got three times as many people on the camera department. You know, in every in every department, you've just got more, yeah. more and more people. And like Steve was saying, he would be the line producer, he'd be the accountant, he'd be the taxi driver. You, you know, on, on Bob, we had two drivers that were there to take us wherever wherever we wanted um you do have to you know there are other things you do have to jump jump through hoops you've got to obviously get the finance in you have Mm -hmm. to you know you have your bond you've got to keep other people happy there's a lot more pressure on that side of things because on a low budget you've raised it the money yourself and you're completely in charge of every decision and you know you need to get your director passed and Mm -hmm. and you know even your dop so they have those financiers and the bond have a say over what you're doing on a bigger budget film whereas they don't on a smaller budget i think the smaller budgets they're so tiring but they're so much fun Mm. because you're you're a family you know you sleep yeah, yeah you, you're sleeping on set. You, you know, you're, you're on, yeah. <laughs> you know, we had Ella, our daughter. She's she was one of the runners. She was, and every, you just bring everybody in, and you're all working because you love the project and you love mm. the director, and you know you really want and the producers, of course. Oh, of course. Um, whereas for Bob, it, it is. I suppose it's like you say, you can get those people because you've got and more I, money. And I think also and, on on Bob, what was great for both of us. So Adam Ralston, who we produced the film. With so Adam, yeah, uh, he, he he produced a, a street cat named Bob, and you know I put him in the in the really experienced producer category. I'm not saying he's produced lots of films, but mm-hmm. he's he's very very good at producing, and I think we both learned a lot from him. Mm. And a really nice guy as well. He's become a good friend and been around with his wife for mm. you know for two nice. and stuff. And um, so that's really nice. But he he taught us a lot about the finance side and understanding how that works and MGs and mm-hmm. you know because the because Minimum it was guarantees. the yeah it was the DD Dream who wanted this film to be made who. The Chinese side, they, they did really well with the first film, mm-hmm. and so it was the, it was them that wanted a, a sequel. And then the German the German company came in again because they wanted uh, the film because it was it's on their syllabus. It's, actually, on, their, it's it? on their school curriculum. Wow. Yeah, Bob is on their school mm-hmm. curriculum, so they wanted it. So, and so it's so once you've got those kind of bigger companies involved, it snowball mm-hmm. from there. And Adam was just amazing at that kind of thing, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 really, really, really good producer. Yeah, I think it was actually quite an easy raise on that film. Yeah. Because, a Christmas gift from Bob, yeah. Yeah, because you've got the best-selling books. You, the first mm. film was so successful. The finance come together really quickly. And I think it was really nice because we all had different areas of expertise. So, you know, Adam and, and yourselves were kind of on the finance side. I was mm. more working on the casting and, and, and that kind of side of things. I think um, I, I, think I, tend to, I actually got a lot more involved in the uh, post-production side because we went into COVID times. Yeah. So it was trying to get those those deals for different elements of post-production that we needed. So, and I've, you know, my, my, my background is, you know, sales. And so uh, I think once you've got those kind of skills, you can use it's transferable skills mm. into yeah. each part of the industry. And, and sorry, I was going to say one, one thing quickly, I have to shout out because we had Carolyn McLeod as our casting director, mm-hmm. who is of course a BAFTA nominee now. Yeah. yeah. Boiling point. Uh, did yeah. An, 
amazing job yeah. she did yeah so i was yeah worked closely with her which was really nice you've done well with these casting directors haven't you of, of you know fi- picking yeah. them and now look at them it's, it's all yeah. down to you it will be <laughs> of course, of course. Well, that's me <laughs> what does sophie and carolyn know sophie. <laughs> you mentioned that how the money was easier on christmas gift from bob obviously because it was a sequel and people wanted the movie you've already got you've pre-sold the movie people you know where it's going to mm. go but let's just talk quickly about that finance side steve if you don't mind about where those bits of money came from was the budget already set and then it was a case of right well germany are going to offer you this much we can get this much you know post-production but the equity we're missing how did you piece it together and was it a constant conversation with the all backers and forwards to make sure the jigsaw fit yeah i i, I mean for sure the, the um the budget was set. The budget, the budget was set. I mean, it, it, it varied slightly, but you know, it was mm-hmm. when you when you were that that kind of number to start with. Then obviously you're going to yeah. vary a little bit. But um, but we did a few things. So we had um, we had obviously the, the, the MGs from those two companies, and once you've got those MGs, the, ex, the exchange who were the sales agents, it's easier for them to go out and raise more money. But at the end of the day, you've got to have all of that cash to make the film. So you've got mm-hmm. all the MGs there, minimum yeah. guarantees, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to, you know, you're not going to get all that money up front. You've got to have a finance house who will come in and basically finance those MGs and finance. You've got, uh, we had some development money as well that came in. So all that has to be packaged together. Mm-hmm. And then the tax credit that's also going to come in from the government. So you've got mm-hmm. your 20% around about 20% around about, tax credit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so okay. once, so once that all comes together and then you've got, you got finance and such like, so we had a, a line who are a very good finance company. Uh, they came in and, um, and had various meetings. And again, you know, Adam, uh, I, we learned a lot from Adam on that because he had already experienced that and done it before. So it was great sitting in those meetings and and listening and contributing little, but listening a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's you, how all the finance. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm being modest. But, <laughs> but we pulled, but you no, know, we pulled it. We pulled it all together, and and that's that's the best feeling when because there's a lot, there's a lot, huge amount, a bigger film like that, there's a lot of paperwork, huge Mm -hmm. amounts, constantly, Mm -hmm. constantly signing things off. And then obviously the kindred money there, the difference between the two, like you say, that one was a lot of paperwork, a lot of different houses, lots of MG, and then the kindred, which is like, say, around 150, uh, the difference funding the two. Talk us through the kindred funding. Uh, Well, I mean, the kindred, as I say, was, was literally just investors. So it was literally talking to people that we knew, uh, I mean, actually, mm-hmm. funny enough, I bought a car from somebody mm-hmm. and we got chatting about a film and he just turned out that he was a real film buff. He really enjoyed the film and yeah. he was quite a prolific investor in lots of other things. Wow. And, and he and, and he said he actually said to me, look, when, 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 you know, doing the next film, just, you know, give me a shout. I might be interested. In and you went, well, board. actually, <laughs> I'm and, sending uh, it now. And, so, <laughs> and, so, and then, of course, so he invested in the kindred and then he actually put, put us in touch with another friend of his, Pete, who you met when uh, we were, when we were yeah. down at Fright Fest. And he, yes. and he's just such a lovely guy. And again, really invested in film and really wanted to be mm. part of it. So, yeah. so we've come quite close with him. And so it's just bringing on all the different investors. And then there's Jason as well. And then and Jason, mm. um, also this guy Jason brought on some some of his own investors. And he was part of the team. And he got wow. associate producer credit. And I think the thing is with with that is that you're on this low budget and. All you're thinking is, is that at some point we have to say go. Mm. So do we say go? Do we say go now when we haven't quite raised the money, meaning that we can make the film, but we haven't mm-hmm. got enough to finish post-production? Or do we wait till we get all the money and then maybe miss our slot? And I think the important thing I, I often hear on your podcast, sort of advice 
you, you know, to give to people. I think my, my, my strongest advice is, and Jamie Patterson's great at this, which is why he's made 16 films, mm-hmm. is he's realistic about, we have got enough now. I know I can make this movie for this amount mm-hmm. of money. Let's go. So then it's like, okay, we've got the main location, which was Tradic Tower, which is a fantastic place to mm-hmm. film. this brutalist architecture. It looks amazing. We've got a fantastic location. We had to go in that window to get that particular flat on the 23rd floor. I believe it was in that location. Mm-hmm. So then we looked to the money, we looked at the tax credit we're going to get. We thought, right, okay, fine, we can go. And so that's, and then that's, you choose your date. And then it's like, from then onwards, you all know mm-hmm. that you have to make it work. Yeah, that's, right. And, you know, and that date it. was only eight weeks yeah. in advance of where we were. So it wasn't a lot of time to put it all together. Same with Bob though. Yeah. The, the, yeah. You know, we were filming for a good couple of weeks before everything had closed. And I know that's quite common, mm. but, you know, it's quite scary. It's frightening because you've got to pay people. Yeah, exactly. And, mm. you know, we were so straight with everybody. We said, look, it is it is closing. It's taken, you know, there was some issue with some paperwork, but it's all there. But of course, it's you don't want to have those conversations with people. No, because you worry your crew are going to go, well, I'm off. Yeah. Especially now yeah. when there's hard to get crew because I've been yeah. tapped up all the time for other things. So right now, mm-hmm. if you said, hey, we don't know if the money's for it, go ah no 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 I'm not I'm yeah. too scared yeah. to not have this money but they seem seems like they were good on on Bob they were they were absolutely Kindred. brilliant they were completely supportive and and you know like we said it all turned out but it's strange isn't it because I think sometimes it's almost easier to raise money if it's a five million budget or or more than it is if it's kind of yeah um, you know like five hundred thousand this episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. I think it's the same as anything, isn't it? In that sort of, if we look at the bigger scheme of things, like if you buy a really expensive washing machine, it's less likely to break down than it is you buy a, you know, so you've yeah. got to yeah. look after it more. You've got to care for the one that doesn't, you know, he's like, oh, okay, this is the old car. It needs some work. And sometimes with an indie film, it is that you've got to really care for every little area yeah. and make sure the money's working and make sure you hands on. Whereas the bigger yeah. one, like the car's fine. It'll drive fine. We might need to put oil in it in six months, but at the moment we're okay. It's a ridiculous yeah. analogy. I don't know why I went with that, but anyway, <laughs> come with it. Crazy. We're with you. We're with thank you, you Thank you. Please what are you do. Talking about? Yeah. <laughs> no one ever knows. You know, lovely boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, we are sponsored by the fantastic Soldo, which is a multi-user expense account that helps you control business spending within your filmmaking. I am joined by Toby uh, because Teddy is your protege, wouldn't you say? Oh, yes. Yes, of course he is. After my long filmmaking career, I'm sending the elevator back down to Teddy now. And I really appreciate that because as our listeners know, Teddy has written a script. Yes. Uh, Ryan Reynolds has read it. Uh, note to lawyers, he hasn't. Did you give it another read, Charles? I did give it another read, Toby, and I have some more notes for him. I mean, they're probably not better than the last ones, but I'll go for it anyway. So the scene with the tax E uh, needs driving forwards a little bit more. Uh, the twist, the knockout punch. Oh, out for the accountant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But where it really, really needs some work is the ending. And I think you just got just to try that a little bit harder because... 
At the end of the day, where there's a will, there's an inheritance tax. Just needs to add up a little more. That's all. I think he will really be able to connect with those notes. Yeah. That's amazing. And I managed to read that because I'm using Soldo at the moment. Soldo.com is a payment solution that replaces petty cash given to employees or runners. It's three months free Soldo with a code. I don't know. Um, Filmmakers pod. <laughs> Filmmakers pod. Should we get back to the show? Let's do it. So follow us. You shot and we shot, I shot with you yeah. before the Kindred and Christmas gift from Bob. But obviously that's yeah. coming out. Now, yeah. let's talk about the whole process with followers, which wasn't originally called followers. It was called cassette. Uh, and followers mm. is a great title. It works. It tells what the film is. So why don't whoever wants to pitch it best, say what it is and we'll drop the trailer in. Followers. Oh my God. It's a batshit crazy influencer <laughs> movie. Uh, it's like, a, it's, I'd say a dark comedy <laughs> horror. <laughs> the best. I love that. Yes. Batshit. Uh, let's start there. What's good, people? John Jesus College, vlog number one. We did it, guys. College. This is sick. Your vlogs are just... I mean, you're just smashing it, aren't you? Can you get that camera off me, please? Oh, no, she can't. I'm an influencer. How many followers do you have now? Is it 70,000? Uh, 80. What? Please, please, please share and comment below. 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 Is there someone here? What's that? There are fierce phantoms in this place, and we're going to get them on camera. What are you going to say next? We should split up and save for clues. You take it over, bro. But we need to get to two million followers. We need more ghosts. So what I love about this movie is that we we had so many cameras running on this film. Mm. I mean, so we had mm. I, I think we had about ten or twelve cameras running. Yeah. And we, we had Go, Go, GoPros. We had Alexa Mini. We had a couple of Sony Panasonic. cameras, a hand, yeah. handheld Panasonic. We had iPhones. We had Androids. We literally had cameras everywhere. Yeah. And and poor Will, so Will Honeyball, who deserves uh, well, Will and his brother Ben Honeyball mm. deserve massive credit for this film because they would be. <laughs> Will was being shoved all this content. Mm-hmm. He was working and sleeping on in the office at, at St Mary's University mm. in yeah. this in this little thing that we like to call an office, which was just a room where he slept. <laughs> uh, and Ella, our daughter, used to go and wake him every morning with a to get the walkie talkies that to start her running job. And um, <laughs> and he had to piece all of this together. Oh, God, <laughs> and yes. I used to go in there and say, Will. Well, how's it going? And you go, and just like literally just downloading footage left, right, centre, and trying to piece to piece it together while we were on set. But let's give our audience a little picture of what this film is. So we shot for two weeks in uh, a university digs. Uh, yeah. out of university time so we could use their dig so it was a really big house full of loads of little rooms and bedrooms and corridors and a kitchen and one of these small rooms was where Will the editor who was brilliant was sleeping and editing at the same time and we were using it as our office and we were using <laughs> yeah, it as where we were charging the, the radios um, but this film was this. we're all involved Stephen Tracy's house is pretty much across the road so not yeah, far yeah. away maybe a hundred yards of people were sleeping there where I was sleeping 
and we were running across. Uh, Tracy was doing food. We were cooking there and bringing that across. We were doing whatever we could to survive to make this indie film. Uh, we should say who it stars, really, because the cast are pretty amazing in this film and worked their asses yeah. off and all slept and all did everything you know uh in in st mary's there so harry jarvis obviously your son plays the lead of john t uh larice harrison who's amazing as zorna nina wadia erin austin daniel cahill and tanya burr ella jarvis obviously uh, your daughter's in there as well as alex austin ryan lee as well we should mention because he's, he's brilliant so yes. brilliant isn't he? yeah ryan lee so amazing, brilliant. amazing he's done he didn't he's done what's he called first cow so it's just yeah first he's, cow, he's, he's a star so of first well. cow by the way yeah, also yeah. in there's dan richardson and poppy Rowe. who else yeah. have we got in there jessica weber um yeah list goes on mark joseph so so many brilliant brilliant actors sorry if i haven't named mm. you all but it, it just just a joy to sort of do that two weeks of madness so i think i just i'd finished the dare and we were in the middle of editing that and we were i think i'd just done a serial killer's guide to life and then you guys yeah. said, hey, do you want to come and help on this movie? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and we jumped into it. And it was, as Stephen Tracy said, there was a lot of cameras around because the way Marcus wanted to shoot this was a found footage style movie where they had shot it all themselves. And uh, Zorna, the character played brilliantly by uh, uh, Larice, was... She, she put cameras everywhere to capture the ghost at Dijonti because he was an influencer played by Harry Jarvis. So the idea was that there were lots of cameras. So Will had a lot of footage to download mm. and try and put together into this film. And obviously it's very difficult. If you've got cameras everywhere, where do the crew go? Where do the other camera people go? Where yeah. does sound go? Where All these problems happen because if you've got a camera doing a GoPro in the corner... Where does sound go? Where do we go? Where do the monitors go? Where do we see this? So obviously the actors ended up shooting a lot themselves and Larice pretty much shot 50% of this movie, right? Yeah, she she's is. holding yeah. the camera. She's phenomenal. She had her film phenomenal. school with uh, Ellen McLaughlin. <laughs> <Kept> two seconds. <laughs> the <AP>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> two seconds, there you go. Hold the yeah, camera, point and press. Hold the camera, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> because also she's a film student, so she wouldn't be amazing. But at the end of the day, it still mm. needs to be in focus. It still needs to look good and fair play, you know? Yeah. So those shots you see of Amazing, holding the yeah. camera she's also filming and acting at the same yeah. time yeah incredible yeah. so is harry so are so many the others and it's um it was a testament to their ability to just get on with it you know yeah. they just did because there were so many young crew as well we all just yeah. it was just so nice you know to all just go look yeah. this is what we're doing you know holly yeah. beth was in there as well doing brilliant yeah. work uh what and was ed it was amazing so many people yeah. just just were with us for the whole time and just really you know it was a film school for so many but it was a, a, a joyous experience i ended up first ading for the whole of the you second did. week that's right because yeah. you and um you and did the first week didn't he and yes held it all together for us yes. it was great and then it's myself and holly beth really just running around you know and, and yeah and fair play to her for that there was there was a moment where we had to do the party scene and she, and my brain was absolutely fried i was like i have no idea how we're gonna yeah. pull this off what's in she just went right i'm on it now and just ran around and just just <laughs> organized fantastic, it just fantastic yeah. well also all of the essays you know have been mm. pulled together pretty much by all of ella's friends yes, <laughs> just yes. like and some yeah, of our actors, actors and, and yeah. yeah it was incredible really 70, yeah probably more the pizzas were flying that day they were they were there were so many sort of vague memories i have of it but and and so many lovely memories and so many what are we doing how we how are we going to pull this off how does this make sense what is happening so talk us through 
how you came on board. Talk us through, again, the money side, which is really interesting. And then we'll talk about anything else happened on set and the selling of this and other movies mm. as well. I think how we came on, on board. So Marcus called me one day to say that he'd written, um, because, you know, we'd had him and his wife and children over for dinner. And and then he he called me like several weeks later and said he'd written this film and he'd written it with Harry in mind for the lead and could could we give him his number so he could contact him? So they kind of, they, they kind of worked together, didn't they, yeah. on a lot of it. And mm -hmm. Harry came on board and then he was going, he was going to go out to other producers and then um, came to us and said, would it be something you're interested in producing? And at the time... Um, what, batshit crazy infants are yeah. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. I love it. Yeah. Tracy's like, what zombie comedy musical? Yeah. I said at Christmas, yeah. I'm in. Steve's like, I want this one. I want yeah. this crazy, batshit crazy influencer movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Long story short, we came on board. You know, we, it was Marcus's first feature. So, you know, we, we I really wanted to be able to help him make that. And he'd done lots of TV. He'd done lots of TV yeah. before this. So he, he yeah. knew the ropes. Yeah. He knew and reality short TV film. in yeah. short film. So he was understood it. And, and that was yeah. really important. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So the finance was pretty much the same kind of thing as the yeah. kindred, except Friends. actually it was like one of them, one of the finances is our next door neighbour. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Him and his wife uh, in investing. Yeah. We were just chatting one day, playing pool. And he said, oh, I said, I quite like to have a little investment in what you're making this. And, I love uh, this. So that, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, but he, he but we never so... pushed, do we? Oh, no, no. So, no, he was... so we, we were like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Go home. And then literally a week later, we get a call from his wife going, we really want to put this money into the film. Yeah. And, he, and Ian is just right. so, he's such a film buff. He just is so yeah. invested. So again, because we were filming pretty much over the road from our house, he was coming mm -hmm. over and watch the filming. And, he was an essay. And he was an essay yeah. in it yes. as well. And yes. one of our other neighbours over the road, the other side was an essay. And then another friend of mine, Andy, uh, he, he we were out for a beer one night and we were chatting and he said, oh, I'd like to invest as well. So he put some money. So we were just literally, literally a few friends. What is it you give them? that makes you know what I mean do you give them information memorandums or do you just give them decks do you give them well, how their re return of investment yeah so information memorandum on the whole thing and, and again this is this is a an, an SEIS because it was the first one of our SEIS again as I say I have to say this we're still struggling with HMRC I think we're getting there but we are still mm -hmm. struggling with it uh, it's, it's, um, I think yeah. we're, we're definitely getting there. I now. think we definitely seem to be getting there I with it. But, um, so yeah, so they were, but they, they, they didn't come on board necessarily because the tax breaks come on board because they wanted to be part of this. You know, one one of the investors was one of Marcus's friends who came mm. on board, and he's actually speaking on um, Norfolk Radio this Friday about about the film because it's going to be showing in Norwich, which was Marcus's hometown. So there's all these people who really just wanted this film to be made, including obviously ourselves. And so so it was just literally. This is the budget. Mm. It's all been raised. It's We're all very independent, very lucky. independent financiers, and then obviously the tax credits, mm. and that's enough to make the movie. And you know, it's a low budget movie, and we all, you know, we all had to muck in and yes. and make it work. Yeah. And again, because I was the line producer again on this, you know, let's just say we didn't actually pay ourselves very much money, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and three years yep. later, yeah. still not. Still but not it's but it's all returned. about making making the movie uh, mm. and and. And you know, we're really proud. I'm really proud of it. I, I actually, mm. for the last two years of my life, I've I've been completely 
embedded in getting this film finished uh, and obviously you know sadly what happened with marcus it was yeah. even became even more important you know mm. he he's he he wants so this. tragic isn't it's it? so yeah. tragic it is. and you've been you've been brilliant steve it has to be said for actually getting mm. it done you were the one who's pushed and really yeah. fought and really said no i want this done and i want to make sure yeah. you know for marcus's memory but also you were the one who took it on by its horns when it was you know the three years of the struggle to go yeah. i'm gonna get i'm gonna keep working mm. on the edit i'm gonna keep working it better and it's yeah. massively testament to yourself and will as well absolutely. that really got this done no absolutely yeah. i think no, it was really important to me and i, and I, and I also I, I knew there was a, good, a really good movie in there mm. you know i was i knew because we because we had so much footage and you know the, the first the first cut First cut, worst cut, as they say. Well, I mean, Jesus, this was like, <laughs> what have we got here? And we did so many reshoot, we're not, well, new scenes, adding new scenes, and we changed the ending and we found the uh, the workshop at the end of the road here and went in there. I just literally got chatting to the guy and said, Oh, is that your place at the back? And he said, No, oh, yeah, you can have it for a hundred quid. Thing. And so See, it's all about asking, we, isn't it? That's yeah. So we filmed the yeah. ending and he's got yeah. his credit of his of his business on the on the on the end credits. And and so it was just a real it have- became a real passion project yeah, for me you really have worked and, your and, I, and, I, and, and what, I, what I loved about this film more than any other film that we've done because we were adding in these new scenes and new bits and dropping them in and Will was working his magic with Marcus together mm. until they until we suddenly got to a point where, where you, you went hold on a minute this is actually becoming a really good movie this is actually really fun and when we all when the three of us all sat down at Fright Fest and watched it together I remember sitting there with a lot of people who had been involved in the movie, but a lot of people who hadn't been involved in the movie. Mm. And we were laughing out loud, weren't we? Yes, yes. We genuinely, we even genuinely. though we'd been, in, I mean, I'd watched yeah. it a hundred and God knows how many times. Mm-hmm. And but I, I sat there and I thought, this is a funny movie. And I do think that's also a real testament to, obviously we know Marcus, but a real testament to our editor, mm-hmm. William Honeyball, and oh, yeah. his brother, Ben, who did the special effects. Because I think Harry mentioned it in one of his interviews, there was so much footage, the film could have come out a number of ways, couldn't it? Mm. A dozen different ways, but he really kind of pushed the comedy yeah. And the dark comedy in it. Yeah, they also worked on Infinite Subject Unknown with Matthew and Tori Butler Hart. I think that's how I knew right. them. I think that's how I got them in touch with you guys. I think it is, yes. Um, just wonderful people. What did you learn looking back now from making followers? The troubles that did happen on set, and there were a lot. You know, it was difficult. It wasn't easy uh, to make yeah. that movie. It was a lot going on. What would you do differently, I suppose, is the question. I'm not sure we could have done a lot that much differently because we were restricted by the money so mm-hmm. what i would say is that the crew that we had in the main were amazing uh, absolutely amazing and uh you know without them we'd have been in real trouble they you know they went above and beyond and working those extra hours and mm-hmm. bleary eyed and all the rest of it i think the thing that's important is to is to really respect your crew you know if you if you want them to do those extra hours for you you have to look after them whether it's feeding them pizzas at eight o'clock at night or you know, take them out for a quick beer or, or, you know, whatever it is. I think everybody has to be pulling with you to make mm. that film. Uh, and and Marcus was that kind of character as well. You know, real cheeky chappy that they all wanted to make the film for Marcus as well. So we had the, this whole team pulling together. 
to get this movie made. So let's talk about selling the film then in terms of, you know, what we went through. It took three years and obviously that was the editing process and sadly what happened to Marcus and then actually, yeah. right, let's get this out. And obviously it did brilliantly well at Fright Fest and reviews that came from there. You know, like I say, yeah. surprised us all in a wonderful way and people yeah. took to it. It's a real Fright Fest type of film. But yeah. obviously you got Screenbound on board, uh, which is amazing. And that talk us through how you do that generally, but mainly on followers. What's your process to get the film out? And I know this, but it's good for well, our listeners. To yeah, know. I think what, so. I think what was really interesting with um, so when Marcus was still alive, uh, I said to him, "Is there anybody you would like to get involved in the process?" Because I know he's you know he's quite well connected. I also know that his his uncle Jody Morris has been in this industry for years from Blue Dolphin. He'd been on set and we've met him, and mm. and so um, I felt. I, th I suppose, especially because the situation with Marcus and us all knowing that he didn't have long left, you know, I just felt really comfortable having a family member coming on board. Mm. And and Joseph, it's such a lovely guy. And but but more than that, for me, he's so well connected. And and so Joseph then said, "Well, I'll go out to a couple of distributors, and we very quickly." agreed on Screenbound because they they work together really well. They've worked on the films together. And Alan from Screenbound, Alan Byron's very well connected again. And, and the nice thing about Alan is from Screenbound is that he he is also a film producer. So he knows what it's like to make these low budget movies and documentaries and all the rest of it. So so he got followers straight away and he really enjoyed it straight away. And he said, Look, I know I can do a good job with this. And again, it felt like an extension of what we'd already been through. It felt like you were again working with people that you really enjoyed working with and they're all part of this team and we're all on this mission almost in a way to get this film out for Marcus and especially because Joseph was involved all of a sudden mm. it made it even more so. And um, you were really up against the clock because you wanted to make sure that Marcus got to see the final result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that is, well, at that point the film was pretty much made but we kept adding bits in and changing mm. bits and you're right I really wanted to make sure that he, he saw the final. Then going on to self and now you've got all those contacts uh, in terms of the distribution and selling side and Screenbound are now sort of involved. How then did you get the distribution now getting into cinemas right now? Yeah, so I think again, so Blue Dolphin, that, that's kind of what they do. That's that, that's mm -hmm. their forte is getting getting films into cinemas. And I'd say they're very, very good at it. And Tom, who works with Joseph, again, he's he's very diligent. He's very on it. He's like, before this podcast, he emailed me and said, oh, by the way, these are the dates that the film's in the cinema. Make sure that you, you know, he's really on it. Perfect time to read them out. <laughs> I'll do that. So it's out now with view cinemas. It's in 20 view cinemas and it's going mm -hmm. on until, until Thursday. So I think this pod comes out on Tuesday. So, and then the same with showcase is 12 cinemas, but they've only got it. The, it would have already shown quite a few times. Their last screenings are on the 24th. So that's uh, Thursday, the 24th mm -hmm. of March. But it is amazing, amazing. To, to have yeah. this a low budget film doing such a, a great cinematic release. Yeah, I mean, if it I runs mean, its full course, it'll be about 100 screenings of the yeah. movie, which That's is just incredible. Incredible. Yeah. And this isn't because normally, like, say, with Dom Lemoire when he's doing Winter Ridge or the Shakespeare Sisters or ourselves or whatever, or Matt and Tori with Infinitum or their other films, we are finding cinemas ourselves. So we are ringing around small cinemas okay. and going, hey, do you want to show our film? Let's split the box office 50 50. That's what happens. And you can then, <laughs> you can do a, a tour. If you ring a load in a row, you can do, go around the country and travel around with them. It's a great way to get your film in cinemas, get great reviews, yeah. and get your film out. Here, they're putting it in the big ones. You know, this yeah. is yeah. huge. This is a big yeah. thing. There it is. They obviously think there's a an audience, you know, and it is aimed Probably, at yeah. the 15, you know, 14, 15 year olds up to maybe 25 year olds. That's what it's aimed at. So they're yeah. hoping that they will go to the cinema, which is 
Great. What have you learned from selling films then? Obviously, gone through it from the big side in terms of big budgets and going through it from the indie side. What do you think you've learned? Is it about who you get on board? How do you showcase your films? What is it you present? It very much is dependent on the film. So with A Christmas Gift from Bob Exchange, the sales agent were on board from the beginning. So Mm -hmm. so they are your sales agent and they're going to take it through to all the shows. They did the pre-sales as well. And then you've got Mm -hmm. something like The Kindred where they read the script, they really liked the film. So they took the film on based off the script. And then Mm -hmm. they were, so AMP uh, were selling Mm -hmm. that. And then you've got something like Followers where we didn't have a sales agent at all. And then you go and find a sales agent who is suitable for the film that you've got. And, mm-hmm. and I think that is a key. It's, it's making sure if you have got a film and you haven't got a sales agent, you know, don't just necessarily take that first deal and think, well, I've got a, uh, I've got a 10 grand MG and therefore I'm going to get loads of back end and I'm going to make a fortune mm-hmm. down the line. So this is it. You're probably not. So you need to try and make sure you've got the right deal. And it depends. Do I want to get my film out there and have lots of people see it? Or do I want to get my film out there and make lots of money out of it? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say either of those are right or wrong or easy or other, but hopefully they work together. Hopefully they work together. But but for (laughs) for lots of people, there is no doubt I've made my first movie. I just want to get it out there. And if I can get it in a few cinemas and I can get Mm -hmm. it on wherever, Tubi, Tubi is the big one nowadays. Mm -hmm. They've got 51 million subscribers in America on Tubi and you make the revenue from the, how how many people watch that movie yes is is how good the adverts are and how much the adverts are paying to be around it and that's then you get a cut of the advertising revenue it's, it's and actually that's what that's eventually probably where somewhere like kindred and followers will end up because that's where it finds an audience for watching for free mm-hmm. um, because they are, they've got an advert. So yes. it's going back to the old days really of, of ITV, isn't it? You know, or whatever. It's definitely about who you bring on without a doubt, because you want to have a sales agent that really believes in it. Uh, and and before we go, because this has been brilliant, uh, it's been really enjoyable to chat to you, actually. And because obviously we chat like this a lot anyway, yeah. Yeah. But it's been really nice to put it in a little box uh, and have yeah, it in like this. It's been really fun. Can I just say very quickly? Yes. You are one of the nicest people in this industry. Stop I it. Genuinely, genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you not. Won. I'm an asshole. You want so. now? <laughs> I, I could have said that at the beginning. Say so you were nice to me. So I thought, no, I'll say it. At the end. <laughs> this will be cut out. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you for saying that. Um, but yeah, so if obviously you've given loads of advice, but what advice would you give to a producer now about to make their first or second film? Anything springs to mind? My biggest piece of advice is to make sure you're working with the right people, the nicest people and the most trustworthy people and just people that are, that are solid. You know, there's so many good people out there. And so, like Steve was saying, so many not good people. Mm-hmm. I do really think it's about who you work with and getting the right script mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, if the script's not good enough, then it's never going to... doesn't matter what happened on set, no. does it? It doesn't matter if you had the best time or the worst time. The script's yeah. not good enough and the same the other way around, you know? The script's amazing. Exactly. People only remember that at the end of the day. I think what else I've really learned as well is because we've, we've gone quite quickly with our films, mm-hmm. but just don't mm-hmm. rush it. You know, you might have the most amazing project Go with it when it's when when it's ready. So that's yeah, that's what I would say. What about you? I'd say if you can work with your wife, that's quite a good one. <laughs> oh, so by I the mean, way, you if you can don't work know, with your wife, yeah, well, you Stephen. Can't. <laughs> 
they are a couple, just in case you didn't get that. <laughs> uh, yes, this wife, yes. Well, it just means that there's no travel time to meet for meetings, you know. You're just like, <laughs> saving money on that. But then the other side of that is you're constantly working together. You're constantly talking about films. Yeah. So do you get yeah. that downtime? Yeah. Do you get that moment where you go, we're not talking about film now, we're having our... We're getting, we are certainly getting better yeah. at that. Mm. Um, I mean... Yeah, we are getting better at that. It's I'd like we, 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 you know, sometimes go out for brunch and um, oh. often we'll be walking and then Steve will be like, oh, we need to do this. And, that. and I, I, I remember a couple of weeks ago, I went, stop. Let's not talk about work at all. Let's just go and talk about you and us and, you know, stop. Don't talk about it. And the worst thing, Giles, right, this yeah. is my pet hate here. Yeah. I'll be working at my desk here and yeah. Steve's desk is there, literally <laughs> next to me. Right behind you now. And he, yeah. will, and he will email me. <laughs> <laughs> He'll email me. And I'm like, Should what? we have a meeting, says the email. <laughs> what the hell are you emailing? Before. <laughs> to make it official to, to make it official <laughs> Steve's official. working by oh, the book uh, your advice Steve is that oh, <laughs> don't work with your wife don't work with your wife or do to get one first I think my advice is I think number one as say Tracy says his script yeah, uh, it's got the script has got to be right. There's no point raising loads of money and going through all the pain and all the agony, and then and, and flogging away at a script that you know. Get your script out there, share it with a few people, make sure people actually really like your script first. That's so important. Mm. And and then once you've got a good script and you start raising the money, then pick a date and just go for it. Mm. Yeah, and just be honest. Just be really honest in everything you do because there's like you say, there's a lot of bullshitters out there, and and I think that's what you know people will trust you and, and see you for what you are just don't just just forget the, the bullshit just be honest Amazing. We're, we're all trying to make things aren't we there, there are always problems to be had and i think by sharing it like this it's mm -hmm. um you yep. know you don't have to hide it away absolutely absolutely and would you say it was worth it leaving banking are you proud to say i'm a filmmaker yeah, yeah, I am. I mean, banking was just so bloody boring, you know. Right. I, I did very well, you know. I did very well in it. I was a financial consultant, but but those skills have transferred over here. Yes, I definitely am proud to say I'm a filmmaker. I think the worst thing about me is getting my life work balance. Yeah, work life. Yeah, work life mm. balance. Right, because there's too much work and and not enough. You did the you did the Freudian slip, but by doing work life balance, yeah. <laughs> you even did it within that without meaning to yes exactly, my work-life balance exactly. is terrible <laughs> you love to work but also you love what you do and that's very evident i wouldn't be working with you and be friends with you and talking about the next project we have together um yes. if, if that wasn't the case so and it's it's amazing it's that thing isn't it and it's true when people say you go oh god yes i have achieved so much in the last five yeah. six years same with me you know what you yeah. have achieved yeah. is incredible you should be incredibly proud of what yeah. you've done well, you know making a yeah. five yeah. million pound movie making these movies that are fright fest every time you know they're selling mm. around the world that is huge it's stuff and that we dreamed about 10 years ago back you know, nominated yeah, it's like, right i just yeah forgot that look at that yeah. my god I'll just slip it in there yeah i saw that i know it's the <laughs> of course be proud of it absolutely people dream of this and i hope people listening sort of go yes i can do it too you know yeah if i want to do this i can do it and get your head down and get on with it and just yeah. dive in and go do you know what what will be will be and i'll learn and i'll get mm. better don't expect your first one to be 
out, you know, BAFTA yeah. winning out the gates. It's literally do it. And don't be too proud to ask for advice and to mm, learn because yes. it's the only way. It, it really is the only way. It really is. So there we go. Remember, you can go out there and make your indie film. You can make it happen. Just believe in yourselves. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty, as Stephen Tracy have said, to send that elevator back down. It's so important. So thank you, Steve. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you so much for your time. This has been incredible. Thank you. I uh, loved it. It's been great. Yeah. It's been great. Followers is in cinemas now do go support do go see it if you can and it is out on digital in july and we'll be promoting that we will see you next tuesday as always thank you so much for joining us it means the world to us we really appreciate your time week in week out it's keeping this podcast successful so thank you until next time bye steve bye tracy bye take care everyone (laughs) go make your film make it happen see you later bye We hope you liked today's episode. If you want to hear more, visit our Patreon for bonus clips and exclusive content.